You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Top of the morning to you, fuckos. All right. Happy, um, what's the word? Happy, uh, St. Patty's Day to everybody. <laughs> I got me a nice can of Guinness. I'm just kidding. I don't even think Guinness comes in a can, does it? I think only, like, lower class beers come in a can. Like grocery outlet style beers. Well, happy, happy, um, Leprechaun Day, everybody. Shamrock Day. Uh, it is that day. I was going to say the date, but I don't necessarily know what it is. Updates in the world of archery, guys. Um, well, if you're in California, Northern California, you'll know that Lodi is coming up for us, the cartoon classic, in two weeks' time. Uh, for everyone that, you know, if you got a free weekend this weekend, there is something called the Oasis Shoot in Davis. Um, at, uh, what do they call it? YOLO Bowman? I can't exactly remember where it is. Right next to the Kuyu shop out in Davis. Uh, the Kuyu display shop place outlet. Um, awesome range. Perfect place to check your sight marks. Uh, there's certain spots that are a little windy, but I don't think it's ever, like, a major problem, you know? It may cost you a point on the long shit, but it's a really good place to to like get your fundamentals sharp. And uh, if you don't believe me, just look at Mark Rubio and or look at all the expendables. Randy Long, these guys go shoot at Yolo. It's flat. There's not a single yard to be cut on that whole course. And those guys are phenomenal. I think there's really something to um, mastering the basics. You know, it like I, I always make these jujitsu references, and I don't know how many of you guys like get the jujitsu references, but in in the world of competitive jujitsu, right? There's this uh, there's a guy named. I mean, he's a Gracie, but he's not like the Gracies that you all know. He's like uh, like one of the grandsons, right? So it's basically he's like down the lineage of jujitsu black belts. <clears throat> and if you guys see ever get into competitive jujitsu, it is wild and flashy, and people are like breakdancing on each other and shit. And you know, dude's doing a handstand, grab someone with his feet, flip upside down. It's wild. 
<clears throat> this dude is the, like the world champion. This Gracie guy's the world champion. Doesn't do none of that. None of that. It's all fundamentals that you learn like your first week of jujitsu. Like the way he fights is like, it's like he's teaching beginners day one jujitsu shit. But he's got all the fundamentals down so incredibly sharp and so perfect that none of that fancy cartwheel shit works on him. It's just like it just bounces off him. So yeah, you know, I'll drag you guys. Uh, you know, I won't. I won't always talk about jujitsu. You know, it, it, truth be told, I actually really suck at jujitsu. <clears throat> I've done it for years and years and years. Um. But uh, you know, I guess I just don't got. I just I don't have fighting bones. You know, I think I. <laughs> I don't know. This is I, my body is really made for standing, standing still. You know, so you know, I think I found a sport that suits me well. <clears throat> um, yeah. So YOLO, awesome practice for you guys. If you have a chance, make it out there, Davis. Just Google it, Oasis Shoot, all right? That's this weekend. Do it. I'm pretty sure it's orange spots on top of it. It's even better practice for Lodi. So, Lodi will be the week after. The Cartoon Classic, second leg of the Outlaw series. I'm excited. I know I say this every time about every event. Um, I'm stoked for them shooting it, you know, as like a casual observer and not as an Outlaw. But, um, you know, there's part of me that's kind of like, if you're, you know, if you're shooting it and you've shot it well in the past, part of you wants to shoot it again under the same conditions and not shooting it in the outlaws is not the same conditions. So I'm just going to have to settle for it this year and, you know, hope I can give it a college try again next year. So... But yeah, Lodi is great. It's everything that you know. Safari should should have. It's got orange spots, close target, far target. Um, I can't wait. I I love that that course. Um, so yeah. After that, let's see. After that is the Fresno Field Archers that will be coming up April thirtieth. And May 1st, and that is the week before Reading. As you guys can see, like, these events, they're all hitting, like, rapid fire. You know what I'm saying? It's like one, you got one, then you got a week off, and you got another one. Then you then you get a month off, and then it's like Fresno Field Archers, bam. Then you're going to have Reading, bam. And then after that, you get a little time off, and then you get the Nevada County Sportsman's June shoot. Um, the June shoot's where I'm going to try to make my outlaw appearance and and shoot outlaws i gotta get at least one in and just see how i do um and just mix it up with all the all the greats all the northern california greats you know it's uh i just miss it so anyway let's see what do i have for you guys today uh a a good buddy of mine said hey wendell why don't you talk about alignment in archery and it opened up a huge, you know, I get a big box in the back of my brain that says alignment. And, you know, what, what I think I know about alignment. If you Google, or I'm sorry, if you YouTube 
um, target archery alignment. What you'll get is a couple videos of people, you know, goofy looking people shooting their bows and then some kind of real pompous dude being like, nope, this is wrong. Look at what this guy's doing. And then he'll draw like lines over their arm and over the arrow. And then, you know, he'll make like a triangle. And you'll see this on archery talk a lot too, where someone will dissect someone else's form by drawing a triangle, you know, uh, nine times out of 10, the person drawing the triangle can't shoot worth shit. All right. Nine times out of 10. Um, I'll reserve that one out of 10 to prove me wrong, but it's like one of my hugest gripes is like the, the armchair quarterback. And I realize that I'm slowly becoming the armchair quarterback by like giving all you guys advice and not actively shooting in the outlaws. All right. But, um, you know, I just came out like, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to sit on my good indoor performance is, is that I'm still a relevant shooter <laughs> and that you can trust what I'm telling you. Okay. Um, but you see a lot of, uh, armchair quarterbacks in archery and, uh, I mean, it goes beyond, you know, you'll see it at, at any given archery range. Especially if there's a there's a lady there shooting. There's there's going to be no shortage of dudes that are going to offer her advice, unsolicited advice, right? Um, I've had people like I've taken my dad to the archery range, and while like I run to the bathroom, I'll come back and someone's like giving my dad advice, and I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> dad. I'm like, dad, don't talk to these people. You know, I gotta like usher him away from from strangers and stuff, and um. Yeah, and, and so a lot of these people, you know, there's a million different ways to do this, especially compound freestyle. I find it very odd that people subscribe to one method or another. And so, uh, like, just for example, if you go on YouTube, there'll be something called The Wedge, right? And I believe this is taken from Recurve Archery and then adapted or or whatever. Hold on one second. I'm going to take my sweater off. So I think this is adapted. I think this is something that like because in, in recurve archery, form is a big deal. You know, like it, it's a repeatable thing. Aiming is not like aiming is is like such a small part of shooting. And with compound archery, aiming is a much larger part of it. At least I thought it was until. You know, Bodie Turner uh, lit everything on fire. So, but I i mean, I still believe aiming is a huge deal, right? Michael Braden would back me up on that. Um, so, there's, I'm not going to say alignment and form has no place in compound target archery because it most definitely does. But, I, th I believe there's uh, a degree of, or a point of diminishing returns. I think, first and foremost, the most important thing with how you set your bow up and how you shoot that bow is that you're comfortable. Because 
the most comfortable way to do it is going to be the way that your body naturally reverts back to, right? Um, my own form. I set everything up for myself in that exact, like everything from my bars to my weights to everything is set up so that um, it's like, ah, oh man, I'm kind of butchering this. I, at least I'm having a hard time getting it out of my stupid brain to say but if there's something that if you like for example if you angle out your back bar a little extra far right and you're shooting and you're like oh man i have to i have to put a little extra torque into this thing you know to get it to go or to get it to the bubble to level like an unnatural amount of torque and maybe you get a couple good ends right well if you're not going to hammer out 10,000 arrows or 5,000 arrows just like that, and you're going to roll like that to some event, it's going to fail you because there will be a target that you get on that you're going to range, you're going to set your sight, and you're going to go through, you know, whatever process. And if you forget about that little bit of torque or you're un- you're, you're not prepared to handle that little extra torque, if you're like, oh, oh, whoa, you know, like it, it becomes um, like a nail in your tire that starts to derail your shot, right? So, uh, you know, I don't think a bow should be set up to be 100% neutral either, but it should be easy to shoot and it should be comfortable and it should never hurt you to shoot your bow, right? So, one of the things in this video I was, watch- I was watching was, you know, the- this guy's drawing triangles all over people. And yeah, a lot of these people are are goofy, goofy fucking shooters. Um, But the thing he never addresses is their peep height. A lot of these people I'm watching shoot, their peep height looks all fucking wrong. And I say that because their anchors are all wrong. Like a lot of people in this video were anchoring funny where they would would anchor like, like their hand would be flat. Right, not against their face, but horizontally flat, and they'd have a knuckle like behind their jaw, which is fine, but then their wrist would be two or three inches above where their knuckles are. So, (laughs) you ever see you're talking to like a good example of this is if you ever see you're talking to someone and they're talking about a shot they made and they bring their hand up and they kind of ghost bow. They kind of air guitar a, a bow and in their their release hand they put their they put their knuckles to their chin but their wrist is always bent right you kind of do it limp wristed to <laughs> to show that you're just kind of you know trying to get this idea across well some people actually shoot like that and it's not you know not entirely you know there's there's issues with that but this the first guy in this video has this kind of like downward pointed hand where his knuckles are against his uh his jaw right and the thing is if you were to change this guy's peep height it would change where his hand you know what his hand and what his anchor is doing and um i i firmly believe it was like 90 percent of the people in this video that this dude was picking apart just had improperly set up bows or you know mainly peep height knock point issues so i think it's important it's 
<laughs> it's super important to have your peep site set up properly in a in a such a way that you're not contorting your your face first you know your face and your your hand your you know your head um but there's an exception to that even all right um but continuing on with what i'm saying you know your peep height knock point will also affect how your anchor like your d loop length that kind of stuff affects where your anchor is draw length even right your proper draw length will change the way you anchor so i i do believe all that stuff is um is crucial i think peep height does the anchor th- changes anchor more than most things you know um i think you know you can change your d loop length and you'll have to adjust your peep accordingly you know what i mean if you could do some wild changes um but you know here's a good exception to the rule if you look at chris Schaff shooting he has his peep sight set so low that he literally kicks his head over like just the, he like you can see him he kind of like tips his head to the side. Schlosser kind of does that too where they kind of tip their head over to the side. And by all you know mainstream accounts of how you're supposed to set your bow up, it's supposed to be you draw like you close your eyes, you draw back, you open them and then that's where you set your peep sight, right? Mm-mm. Incorrect. Um that might be a great starting point but I don't believe it is the optimal point for you. Um, but the, the, there's two guys that are so extreme that it's actually what would be considered wrong if you you know, were listening to an armchair quarterback. All right? Uh, Chris Schaff goes so far as to, if you ever watch him shoot, right foot is directly behind his front foot. And I mean like his feet are making a T. Left foot is pointed at the target. Right foot behind his left foot. And it's perpendicular. <clears throat> so just picture a ba- an upside down T. That's what his feet are doing. I don't know if you've ever tried that. I've tried it. It's fucking banana. I, like, it does not work for me even a little bit. <clears throat> like I've gone so far as to, to emulate a lot of these guys. Right, just to see what it feels like they're they're doing, and then I, you know, you kind of want to see. Well, what is this like, and <clears throat> what can I take from it? <clears throat> well, that style, not much, but <clears throat> so another thing, another aspect of the alignment that got picked apart was the person's release hand and elbow, right, and whether or not that was flat, and. uh this is something that this guy may have gotten a little bit right. But I can also point out, you know, ways this is wrong. But some people that are, you know, maybe set up improperly, their elbow will be low, lower than their release hand. And that causes them, you know, to break downwards. Or, or their, when the shot breaks, their elbow points downwards. And... I've seen guys shoot like that that shot just fine. Um, I, I Again, I don't think that's an entirely bad thing. <clears throat> but I think in terms of putting torque on the arrow, ideally you would want to pull straight back. And I think when you see really good shooters like uh, like Bodie or, or Gaius Carter, there's plenty of video footage of those two guys. 
when they or um Jesse Broadwater is a good one. When these guys break their shot, they're breaking and like you can tell they are pulling straight back. They're not pulling around. Maybe their arm comes around, but they're not pulling in this circular motion. Another cool one to watch is um Brady Ellison's wife, Toya, to- Toja, to- Toya Ellison. Um <clears throat> So her coach told her to draw a line on the wall behind her with her elbow. All right. So she's keeping her hand stationary because it's anchored to her face. And then she's activating her her release by moving her elbow. Like I've tried this and it's a it's a pretty neat way to get your release to go if you're shooting a hinge. It, you know, you're you're literally moving your elbow from wherever it is to you know the left side of your you know you're going to try to point it to your left shoulder at some point that release is going to break that is a is a release that in my mind is pulling around and and it would I would think it would put some kind of weird torque on the arrow but I'm sure she can outshoot me so what does that tell you <laughs> you know um so yeah, another good example is um, our Lord, you know, our California Lord and Savior, Savior Bob Eiler, uh, high elbow, dude, high release hand elbow, and he's got his hand making a perfect fist right up against the side of his, right behind his jaw, high elbow, and, and you know, who's gonna tell Bob Eiler that that's incorrect? I mean. The dude, the dude crushes it indoors. So if it's twenty yards, the dude's gonna. It doesn't matter what his elbow looks like. So, you know, I I get the um, the argument for the alignment of the release arm to be flat, and maybe that is a perfect starting point, and it might be a perfect ending point for some people. Um, but I don't think. For compound freestyle, I don't think it's, you know, whatever this, the wedge method or whatever you want to call it, the, I don't think this is NTS or whatever the, you know, the level four coaches are teaching or level five coaches or whatever's out there. I I don't think it matters. I think these people are doing what is repeatable and comfortable for them and they don't have to think about it. It's natural, you know? I think the guy, the people that are shown in various videos that are all goofy looking, I think maybe they're both set up so that they have to do unnatural shit to, you know, look through the peep and then aim and then hold as steady as they can while they punch a shot off. And, you know, that kind of brings me to this, you know, my, my wife was like, well, you know, are you going to tell everyone how goofy you shoot? My wife doesn't even shoot, and she knows I look goofy, right? And I'll tell you guys straight up, I have a wacky form. I have a high front shoulder that I've never gotten to go down. I have a, my body is like 90% torso and head, right? A huge body, huge head, tiny arms, very skinny legs. 
And when you have a big torso, big head, and little arms, it's going to change like your personal geometry, so that you know your draw length, peep height, is going to be wildly different. Like the perfect example, just the distance from the corner of my mouth to my eyes are is is going to be way more than probably all of you listening because my head is that much bigger than yours. Um, I don't even have to see you. I can just tell you my head's bigger than yours. <laughs> so there's very few bows that I've been able to pick up and then just shoot right right away because, like I said, tiny arms, you know, huge head. Uh, you know, part of it's also kind of like where your shoulders are in relation to where your eye is. Like, that all changes everything. So, I think because everyone's so different and because freestyle, compound freestyle, is truly the most, like, inclusive form of archery. Like, say what you will about bare bow or anything, right? Compound freestyle, you have everybody. You have women, children, uh men, young people, old people, fat and skinny, uh two arms, no arms, wheelchair, uh athletic, right? You get the whole the whole gambit. What do you get in recurve archery, right? Olympic recurve, everyone looks kind of like accountants. You know? They kind of look like accountants or like I don't want to say track athletes, because they don't, they, they look like soft track athletes, is what Olympic recurve people look like. All right. Barebow people, you got skinny, uh, like, uh, what are those people called? Like Renaissance fair nerds. All right. That's what you get for with, with barebow, right? But what do you get in freestyle? You get all of it. You'll get Ren fair nerds. You'll get the Olympic track nerd. You might even get a goth guy here or there. Everyone does compound freestyle, and everyone's so fucking different. You better believe you're going to get high release hand shoulders. You're going to get high bow arm shoulders. You're going to get, you know, uh, other weird alignment issues. So there is something important to be said about alignment, though, right? And this is what I'm getting at when I say it has to be something that's repeatable. You have to be able to tell. Like your shooting form should be so yours so something that you know you lean on that when it's not right you can feel it and i'll tell you guys a story um uh rudy sandoval and i many many years ago flew to yankton south dakota for the first dakota classic and we shot in that event and the way it's done in the amateur class is you shoot like a qualifying round, right? And then you shoot a bracketed match afterwards. And I won all my matches except for the last. And um, maybe I lost two matches. I might have lost two matches because I placed third. I got a, a third place buckle. Right. And um, I must have lost two. Uh, But an interesting thing happened. Right. Uh, 
when we first got there, <laughs> I, you know, sighted my bow in. You have to shoot like varying distances and qualifying, but then when you get to the match play, I think it's all 60 yards if I remember correct. It might have been 50 meters. I can't remember. I think it was 60 yards. It was just so long ago I can't quite remember. But in practice, I got sighted in, right? In qualifying, everything went smooth sailing, right? And it got me to the, you know, higher higher bracket flight, whatever you want to call it. I think it was a flight. In matches, I'm noticing that my arrows are starting to creep to the right, right? Very, like just a little bit. I'll, you know, I'll hit 10, 10, 10, 9 to the right. So I'll give it some clicks. Then I'll have a clean end. And then 10, 10, 10, 1 to the right. So I'll give it some more clicks. At the end of all of that, you know, uh, you know, that would happen. I'd finish my match, go on to the next guy, and this thing would happen again until my final match. <clears throat> I was adding like two or three clicks every other end. And I'm like, holy shit, like what is ha- I I thought maybe it's lighting. Maybe this is a lighting thing. And uh afterwards when we were done, my uh buddy and I, I was like my buddy's like, Well what do you want to do now? And I was like, Let's go find the local local range and go shoot. So we found an archery range that was like twenty minutes away. We drove to it and we just went and shot outdoors. We shot a field round. And my arrows were all the way on the other side. They were left again. And it was because under pressure, my, I was starting to collapse. My release arm was starting to collapse. I wasn't pulling back, you know, straight back with my arm. Like a lot of people say you pull with your scapula, right? Or your or rhomboid or your thrombus or your thorax or whatever. The thing in your back, right? You pull with the middle part of your back. If you have that good form, some of us pull with other parts of our shoulder and tricep, right? If you see me shoot, I naturally shoot very collapsed. Um, but as I got nervous at this event, I became more and more collapsed. And that collapsing release arm, so if you can just picture, you know, do your ghost bow, right? Where you got your your hand up holding nothing and your release hand touching your face now bring your elbow in towards you know towards your towards your body towards your uh your front right that was happening to me little by little because i was getting nervous and more nervous after i won that first match i thought oh my god i'm going to the next one and you know and then I'm in my final match, and I'm like, I need this one to get second. Or I must have thought, been thinking, I need this one to get second. <clears throat> so, you know, I'm just, I was still a very green shooter at the time. Um, and I learned from that experience that under pressure, you will, you know, or at least my style would collapse. So, you know, I... I think I want to say I lengthen my draw length a little bit, but whatever I did, I am now a little more open with the way I shoot. Where, um, I mean, I'm still. If you guys ever watch me shoot, stand behind me. You, you'll see my arm is not. It's not. 
in line. Oh, it's not perfectly in line. You know, I, I think Rudy said it looks like it's in line with the arrow, but that's about it. <laughs> so I, I generally don't have that collapsing issue now, but you know, you put me back in that situation again, that first Dakota classic, I might, that shit might happen to me again or the next state 900. If I shoot the state 900, you know, it's a very similar shoot. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you if it happens again. But uh, even the state 900, it's not the fact that we got on an airplane, we flew out there. It was a big deal for us because it was a national event. Um, I was taking a run at the the NFA shooter of the year, like I wanted it, so it it was all important to me. Um, all that weight made me um, nervous, and then what happens when you're nervous? You know, stuff happens. So. It took me a while to realize that thing. I was out of alignment. So this is where I believe alignment is important. You need to know what your alignment is. And when shit hits the fan, what happens to it? Is there anything you can do to mitigate it aside from just recognizing? Because sometimes, by the time you recognize it, it's too late. You know? So if there's something, if you can tweak your setup to accommodate that's wonderful if you can't then just be mindful be mindful like you know like this is how i shoot when shit goes south or you know when i'm nervous i mean that's another thing that that happens a lot especially amongst inexperienced younger archers they're like well i don't get nervous nothing happens to me and it's like oh if that's true then you're you're made of iron and you know well done but for a lot of us, that's, that's not true. A, a lot of people are just not being honest with themselves. And so you just got to just know. Just know. This is what I do. <laughs> um, I, I'll, you know, anyone that knows me, that's shot with me, will tell you. I am the first person to tell you they're nervous. <laughs> There's not an indoor shoot that I did last this last year where I wasn't trembling. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway wedge style bullshit is what I think um, I do believe a lot of like very basic alignment is bow setup and you know I don't want to shill but if you ever meet you know if, you, if you're curious like is, is my setup is my alignment all shitty or whatever you could go up to West Coast and you could talk to Rudy. And, you know, Rudy is a level four coach and I'm not particularly fond of, you know, coaches. But Rudy's also a competitor and he's a very seasoned guy and it's his goddamn job to set up bows. So, you know, you if you don't if you're not near a Rudy, go to your who find a guy who shoots better than you and just be like, "Hey, look at me. What am I doing wrong?" All right, and I would argue to never stop doing that. Always go to someone better, like because you'll eventually outshoot the guy that helped you, and then you know you find the next guy. Hey, what's wrong with me? Like, well, how could I do this better? And he'll either tell you or you won't, or he won't. And then you'll, if he does, maybe someday you'll beat him, and then you go on to the next guy. <laughs> Until one day you're on the Vegas fucking shoot off. And you can turn to Bob Eiler and be like, hey, man, does this look right? Am I doing this right? 
So yeah, um, alignment can change your point of impact. All right, your alignment can also change your hand torque. It can change. It can affect your bear shaft and where your bear shafts land. It's one reason why. Like I think you guys remember, Greg Poole said, you know, amongst a bunch of other dumb shit that you can shoot a bear shaft wherever it lands. That's your reference point. And I think he shot a bear shaft and it landed like a foot to the right and then tall at like one o'clock, right? And he said, I know, like if, I, if I'm ever at an event and things start to go uh, sideways, I can shoot, a, I can go to the practice range, shoot a bear shaft, and if that bear shaft hits anywhere else, I'll know something's moved. And he's, 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 he's right. Um, I think that's one good indicator of a bear shaft since getting into like bear shaft tuning and stuff. When people ask me people tell me they have a problem, the first thing I say is we'll shoot a bear shaft and see what happens. Right. Or I'll say shoot through paper. Um, realistically shooting through paper is better because a bear shaft, you know, a butterfly can land on your face when you shoot a bear shaft and that thing will go all the way to the other, you know, you'll shoot it to nine, nine o'clock instead. Um, or, you know, a, a slight breeze tickles your face and then you, you shoot it differently. So if you ever have some, something weird, you feel like something's going on or a good example. My buddy was asking me, Hey, I'm not hitting X's everything. He's like, I'm shooting 300 rounds and I'm missing to the right. I'm uh, all my X's are missing to the right. First thing I say is shoot through paper. You know? Well, first they told me to shoot a bear shaft. And he's like, oh, I don't shoot bear shafts. Well, all right, handsome. Uh, that, that's okay. But definitely shoot through paper because then you can see what's going on with the bow. Um, a bear shaft will generally show you, you know, either a collapsed release hand or uh, like a tight grip or... Um, torque on your bow hand that's the that's the big thing that shooting a bear shaft will will tell you so if, if you don't have any of that stuff and you can pipe one right down the middle it becomes an incredibly good tool for you as a diagnostic thing to to see you know what's going on and you know all the respect in the world to what greg Poole said uh even if you can't pipe one down the middle if you can remember where it hits and that becomes your reference point. That's a tool. Like if you if it you know changes to the other side, shoot two bear shafts, and if they're both consistently the other way, you know something's changed. Something has shifted on your bow because not you're not always going to have a chance to shoot through paper. It, like if you're in Reading and something, God forbid, something feels funny, you're not going to have a chance to run over to a paper tuning rack and shoot through paper. A bear shaft is going to be your friend. But the thing is, you have to know where that bear shaft hits already. You'll have to know before ridding. So, it's a tool if you want to, right? I generally have a bear shaft in my uh, my quiver just for, you know, shits and giggles. Um, be careful not to shoot it <laughs> for points. But it's, it is a good tool. I do believe it's a it's a, a handy thing to have. And, you know, the guy that coached me, the guy that taught me how to shoot, he used to always carry a bear shaft in his quiver also. Just for, just to see what would happen. So, uh, 
hopefully that can help you guys out. That's about as much as I can go into with alignment. I'm not, I'm like an anti-coach, right? I can't tell you the NTS shot system. I got my level two coaching thing a long time ago, and I can't recall the 10 steps for the life of me. My personal shot sequence is four steps, you know? I keep it really simple and I try to make it like I'm trying to think of a metaphor. Like the only metaphor I can think of is you guys never see how water erodes like uh, will erode a, a rock water that it like it rains and it, the water always goes down certain pathways. Right. I shoot a, a process that is like water running down those pathways. It's the, path of least resistance for everything the way i stand is the path of least resistance uh you know draw the bow and anchor path of least resistance i aim and then i execute those are four boom 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 that's it the aim and execute if i'm doing it right blend together it's not so much a aim now execute it's more of like um like the you know you know when the runners go and they hand the baton off to the other guy and then the other guy takes it and goes? Only the person never lets go of the baton. They just both are running <laughs> at the same time. That's kind of how I like to um, picture my shooting style. Um, but yeah, I try to keep it real simple. I, I, I don't believe in, you know, the, the other guy who will talk about having a 20-step shot process or a 10-step shot process that can be dissected into 40 shots or 40 steps. You know, it's it's massively overcomplicated. Um, and I'm not, a, you know, if you have a 10-step shot process that works for you, you know, go for it. I, I'm just telling you that simple is generally better because... Life's going to throw all kinds of wacky shit at you. And the stuff, you know, 10 steps doesn't always stick. You know, (laughs) four steps usually sticks. So, you know, on that topic of alignment and the natural, the natural water grooves that your shot carves into the rock that is your shot process um draw length is pretty crucial as well draw length you know shortening your draw length will can make it easier to break a shot cuz you can get more pressure behind your your release you can i like to think of it as you know um Pulling, you know, you ever see those like Superman would pull like two metal bars apart on like a jail door, right? When those bars are closer together, you get more, <clears throat> you can like engage more of your body to pull them, pull them apart. If you ever pull anything apart that's like three or four feet apart already, <laughs> that's quite a bit more difficult. So we used to say, well, my coach used to tell me that. Your draw length is good when you have the right amount of runway, right? And the runway is on your release hand. 
when you take your thumb off the peg and you're starting your your execution the runway is from beginning to end right are you taking your thumb off the peg at 12 you know if you're going to have your release angled at 12 o'clock and then you're going rot- to rotate it all the way till 6 before it fires that's a ton of runway that's like ooh bang you know what i mean versus you know what what's a healthy amount of runway so he would tell me like what you want is to have a runway that you can start strong and it breaks midway you know dave cousins told me something very similar where he's like uh he said you want to start he th- he talked about it as an rpm gauge and he said you're going to you know take your thumb off the peg you're going to fire it up to like 10,000 RPM and then when you hear the click then you're going to ramp it up to 12,000 RPM and you're going to you know what have you I like the runway idea because or the runway metaphor because if you're ever shooting sometimes when you take that thumb off the peg or when you put the thumb your thumb on your trigger your thumb barrel it almost feels like that's where the journey's starting you know, that's where the shot is starting all the way till the end of the shot. And so, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not stoned or anything, guys, but I get really metaphorical because when you shoot a lot or when you have shot a lot, and if you think about this stuff a lot, um, you can start to dissect little things. It's almost like what I would imagine it's like to be a wine connoisseur. <laughs> You know those <laughs> those fake ass dummies who like drink wine, and they're like, mm, mm, mm. these grapes were mm, on the grown on the south side of a hill mm, in Italy, right? I feel like that when it comes to shooting. Unfortunately, it's with my own shot, so I can only describe all these segments of my shot to you guys, and try to put it in words that you can relate to, and then apply that to your own shot, right? So. In this case, runway is, you know, the act of executing. But it's it's kind of like um, Joel Turner was talking about it, where he was like, your mantra, you know, or whatever your, what do you call it? Your signature word or whatever it is. It's like when your thumb's off the peg and then you say your word, which is, you know, onomatopoeia, bam. At the end of that word, that's the end of your runway. Shot breaks. Or, um, you know, he was kind of saying, like, the word is to keep your release moving. I don't think he was using it as a, you know, a metronome for when you should fire. But, it, you know, I think it was the speed of that is in relation to your runway and, like, where, where you break inside of your shot. Ah, I might be getting a little bit off and, and getting a little bit crazy there, but... Yeah, hopefully that that helps you guys a little bit. I don't know. In any words, uh, in other words, is uh, I hope you guys get a chance to get out there, check out YouTube, and watch the uh, indoor nationals that are going down. It's a battle with the twenty-three diameter arrows. It's a lot of fun to see. A lot of us are outdoors now shooting. There are still people that are just sharpening up indoors even further. I'm real curious to see how um, these pro shooters do in Reading 
the, the people that are still firing up indoor arrows right now. I mean, I, I'd imagine it's the end now because indoor nationals is ending, but, um, I mean, I, I think everyone's still shooting five spots, but, uh, I'm very curious to see how this all goes down for these guys in Reading. Interesting thing. The guys that are winning right now, or at least the indoor national guys, the guys that are shooting 23s, it was Braden Galantine and Chris Schaff were the two finalists for gold. Neither of those guys were in the Vegas, uh, you know, shoot off. So it just goes to show that, you know, it's any dog's day at any given time. Those guys didn't make it in Vegas, but it's not to say that they're not phenomenal badass shooters. Like they both cleaned house and there they are shooting 23s at the tiny 10, the the super 10. Alexis Ruiz was shooting against, uh, what's her name? Olivia Dean. I can't remember. That was another great match for gold. It's cool seeing Alexis Ruiz. We didn't see her in Vegas. But bam, there she is, <coughs> shooting indoor nationals. So I like watching indoor. I know it's not the uh, you know the the most exciting thing in the world, but I truly believe indoor is where you you know get your fundamentals down. You get you get your shot worked out and then you take that shot outdoors afterwards. So anyway. I, I'm sorry that this episode about alignment was really about no alignment. <laughs> My buddy hates it when I say this, but I, I, I take a very Bruce Lee approach to uh, archery where it's like no style as style. And he'll tell you that I'm more of the Van Damme of, uh, or I have more of a Van Damme effect, but I believe it's more of a Bruce Lee type thing. Back to draw length, though. So we talked about how uh, shortening the draw length makes it so you get stronger in your release. It effectively, you know, will change the speed at which you run, you fire down that runway or with how much force you go down that runway. Where you set your firing point on your release will determine where that runway ends for you. Um, lengthening your draw length just a little bit can slow your pin float down a whole great deal. Now that doesn't mean tighten it up. That doesn't mean you will float just I'm not I'm not saying add two twists to your cables and watch your pin float just sit in the tendon. That's not going to happen. I mean maybe, but unlikely. But adding a couple twists, lengthening your draw length. The effect it can have is just slowing the float down. And so, you know, if you if you slow that float down to a comfortable amount and it matches, it doesn't hurt your runway um, and you're still comfortable at where you can execute inside that runway, you know, why not? That's the route I went was I think I added, I probably added like a 16th, like a very, like a really infinitesimal amount to my draw length and it slowed it down enough to where oh, it was just fine. I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not running a ton of weight on my bars. So, uh, I think you'll notice, you know, when you, when you add a bunch of weight to your front bar, it slows down your pin float, right? Well, it can be achieved another way. Also, you just have to make sure you can still execute that other way. So, uh, sorry guys. I keep, I keep drinking my, um, 
my low budget grocery outlet beer in honor of the leprechauns. Um, well, I hope that that was enlightening and not just a bunch of babble. I mean, it kind of was, but you know, <laughs> you can call it a filler episode for this Thursday if you want. <laughs> I'm going to have more fillers, but alignment's an important deal, but it's not, not important the way that it's sold to us. All right. The way it's told a lot of stuff in archery is packaged, like prepackaged McDonald's style bullshit that is like one size fits all. And it's really one size fits none. And a perfect example is all the top shooters. You look at all the top shooters, none of them fit the mold, at least in compound freestyle. All right. They are all unique in their own way. But I promise you, they all know. They can they can all determine uh, if something is wrong with their alignment. Like they all know their shot. They know their alignment. They know what's comfortable for them. So I would argue, you know, I would say for for any of us. I mean, at this point in this show, if you've been listening from the early episodes, I'm sure your alignment is decent, and I'm sure your bow is set up accordingly. If it isn't, if you're doing something weird with your face, or if your release hand is cocked funny when you're shooting I you know examine your peep sight draw length D loop knock point and I, most of your problem will be right there um at least I don't know that that's what I think a lot of um like I, I used to coach a Joad team right so there there was me as a coach and then there was another guy who was a really nice really great shooter uh, my my buddy Anthony, and Anthony, if someone had a problem, Anthony would examine their form and say, "Okay, well, I want you to try to put a little more, you know, elbow in it right here. Put a you know a little more, you know, hand pressure here, right?" But whenever the kids came to me and said, "Hey, something feels funny," I would instantly tear the boat. Like I'd be like, "Okay, well, let's look at your bow. What's the bow doing?" And this is not the it's not the best type of coach. I'll admit I'm a very shitty coach. But as someone who coaches myself now, you know, now that I I have no coach anymore, all you can do is bend the bow to you and then you do what's most natural over and over and over again. All right? So <clears throat> thank you all for listening. I'll stop babbling. Uh, you guys all get on YouTube. Check out Indoor Nationals 2022. It's it's a good watch, man. I, I don't know anyone who doesn't like watching matches. Uh, spoiler alert, Braden Galantine won it. Oh, that. so here's another thing. Before I let you guys go. Uh, one thing me and my buddy Alan do is we, we look at what other people are running. Anytime any pro has something that looks um, interesting. You know, we talk about it. A good example. Uh, Tate Pierce has uh, biter asymmetric knocks on his 3D arrows. Hmm? Asymmetric knocks? Like the recurve ones? Yeah. He's got those on his 3D arrows. Or those might be his indoor national arrows. I don't know. I think they're his 3D. I think those are his Foley arrows. Interesting. 
uh, I, I know Perkins has been known to run those asymmetric biter knocks as well. Um, so you know we're we kind of like eyeballed it. I don't think I don't think either of us going to take the dive to try them, but you know why not? But anyway, Braden posted up his winning. One good thing. There's one thing that I like about Braden Galantine. Two, two things. He shoots a Matthews for one. The other thing that I like about him is when he does a post, he does a complete rundown of his gear and his draw length, his arrow build, everything. All right? I'll read it out for you right now. All right? Matthews, TRX 40, 29 and a quarter inches. So he went a quarter. So that tells you guys <laughs> that sweet spot that for your run runway or your peep height or what have you for your alignment it might be in between modules uh 59 pounds 70 v black eagle arrows ps 23 350 spine 29 inches long 150 green point uh conquest archery stabilizer 30 inches up front with a 20 28 ounces 15 in the back with 32 ounces Holy shit, that's a lot of weight. Um, B3 Archery, BG Pro, no click, and exact target sight. Gas Pro, 4-inch veins. Okay, so... The thing that was making well, me and Alan all juicy was the 28 ounces up front. At some point... Now, I remember at some point where Braden was shooting like 14 ounces up front. And even then I was like, that's a lot. <clears throat> but he has mentioned many times that he believes the bow shoots better with the more weight that the more weight that's on it. So he's adding ounces. Like he's actively getting stronger. He, I mean, the dude's got gray hair now, but he's not getting weaker. His bows are getting heavier. 28 and 32. That's a combined 60 ounces on the bow. Fuck. Uh, 30 inch bar, 15 inch bar. Those are the two bar lengths I like. And I'm about half Braden's height. So, very interesting. Uh, but Alan said something very interesting too. He said, 28 ounces up front makes me feel like a child. And then I told Alan, hey, a child just whooped all these assholes in Vegas. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. As far as my archery philosophy goes, I think I just, I think I just Nietzsche'd uh, <laughs> my buddy Alan. But it's a good argument, you know. Braden believes twenty-eight, you know, he believes the more weight you get on it, the better. Um, but I think we just saw with Bodie, that's not, not necessary. You can do that if you want, but that's going to be a style that you are committing to. Anyway. That's got nothing to do with alignment. That's just me waxing poetically on and off about archery. Um, yeah, do what works. Anyway, you guys know the drill. This is an episode brought to you by DB Custom Coatings. My friends Darren and Bet Napa, they are doing American flags all over everybody's shit right now. <laughs> it looks fucking badass. I know exactly what Cerakote I want done. It just came to me in a dream. I know what I want my bow to be Cerakoted. Um, I might be in the process of trying to acquire another TRX-38. That one will be Cerakoted first. Or 
the bow I'm shooting now immediately after reading will be it. Um, so yeah, there you guys have it. I got uh, a new set of strings coming in the mail, so I'll be setting those up. I'll probably, I mean, if you guys care, I'll walk you through the way I'm setting it up. I have a an idea of how I want it to go. Not much different than how I have mine set up now, but um, I talked to Tom Parkinson on the phone, and he gave me a couple tips to simplify my bow setup. And this is as far as just like knock point, D loop, you know, peep sight stuff. Um, I already ran it very simple with a what is like a five five box knot under a knock point or like a knock tie. And then, uh, you know, whatever D-loop. I, I always run Spectra. Tw- uh, 23 Spectra, I think. But anyway, I'll I'll, uh, I'll tell you guys all about it later. All right? So uh, I'm going to let you guys go. I got to go fight a leprechaun. All right? See you guys. Peace.